Herbert to an episode of Not So Much the Neutral Zone, a Star Trek podcast by us, ladies. We're going to talk about Star Trek loudly, unless Ari edited it, and a great line below, hopefully not over two hours because I have sushi waiting for me downstairs, and I would like <laughs> us to wrap this up real fast. And I feel like we can because this is the best episode of all time. Uh, I am your host, Kareen, right in this particular. <laughs> Joined by Kim. Hello. And Ari. Hello. And we are here to talk about Season 3, Episode 20, The Infamous Way to Eden, or as I like to call it, no shoes, no service, no protection from the acid metaphor planet that's going to kill you. <laughs> yeah. Um, Infamous, because this is my hands-down favorite episode of Star Trek of all time. And I can understand why, because it's A- really terrible, and B, you fucking hate hippies. And to watch those dirty hippies get what's coming to them at the end must be, like, gorgeous to you. It's like this episode is speaking directly (laughs) to me. And I am listening to it with both ears and my eyeballs, looking at their stupid hippie outfits and their stupid hippie expressions (laughs) and their stupid hippie tattoos and their stupid Hippie flowers and their goddamn hippie hair. <laughs> okay. Kareen hates the space hippies even more than I did. I hate space hippies. I hate real hippies. I hate space hippies. They even have space fucking bongos that they travel with. I hate these guys. Oh, and when yeah. their feet burst into acid flames, I cheered. I was like, finally. It's like if you created a list of likes and dislikes for Kareen yeah. that you just knew, yeah. like, that you knew, like, because you know your friends and you know things they like and things they don't like. On the dislike, very near the top, <laughs> everybody would put hippies yeah. and bongos. Yes, yes, yes. And then the Venn diagram of things that I really hate is hippies with bongos. <laughs> and I feel like that happens more than it should. We. My only disappointment with this episode is that I did not get to see the bongos, like, eaten up by acid. No. Like, I'm... that would have really made this a 10 out of 10. For me right now, it's a 9.9. I had completely forgotten that this episode was 50% musical numbers. But great musical numbers. Oh. There's a medley in the middle of three different songs. No, it's the bridge between the two songs, and it's a great musical number. It's um, the hippie equivalent of the crazy Christian preacher standing on a street corner on a box screaming at passersby. Herbert. It's Anyways. improvisational, annoying hippie singing. Herbert. Um, I will readily admit that, again, this kind of counterculture musical aesthetic is my alley. I love this kind of music. And so these songs, or at least these stupid instruments that they are playing, or not playing. (laughs) Like the bicycle wheel? Like the bicycle wheel. I really like. (laughs) I would listen to these songs and throw them on my iPod, no problem. They made me so angry. Really? No, I dug this. I was there for that. What is, what is it? Oh, shit, what was the thing that they said? You were, you weren't with it, but you were what? I'm, of the one? No. I'm the triangle, goddammit. On that particular front, the rest of them can, like, burn an acid planet, which they do. I have a question about this. Okay. (laughs) Just one. Just one. Just one question. Do these assholes think that they're going to the actual Eden so, of biblical legend? What the myth in this century is supposed to indicate, like, going to Eden, the planet, is never explained. I don't mean not fully explained. I don't mean, like, they left some things out. I mean, they mention it, they tell you it's a myth, 
And that's as far as it goes. The thing that got me about this version of Eden is um, Professor Cauliflower Ears. We're calling him J.K. Simons. Simmons. Simmons. J.K. Simmons. Oh, don't be mean to J.K. Simmons. It is no, kind of a mean thing no. to say about J.K. Simmons. Uh, no, look, he looks exactly like J.K. Simmons. Well, like, he exactly. looks like he looks like Tenzin. He looks exactly like J.K. Simmons. Okay. Exa- we're calling him J.K. <laughs> okay. J.K. <laughs> FYI, J.K. His seems to think that wherever they are going, there will be, quote-unquote, primitives to live with. Okay. And that's we will the heal thing. them all through the, the magic of deep green ecology. That's the whole thing, is like, wherever we're going, there's going to be some primitives that are going to heal me up, and then we'll all live in harmony. And then he mentions it, like, once... And they never really follow up on any of it? No. The primitives are mentioned once and then dismissed, kind of like in real life. But I don't understand. Is it they're going to un-Eden or... The planet of Eden. The original Eden. Well, the and thing was it is called Eden? That Professor... How do they know it's Eden? Professor Tenzin. Well, yeah, they Professor don't explain JK. it. Whatever. Um, his father was the leader of this space hippie movement, apparently. What? No. Yeah. yeah. No. Yeah. Because, no. Yes. No. Yes. No. Yes. Dr. Severin, who is Cauliflower Ears, yes. JK, he is the leader of this movement. Yeah. Yes. He is someone's son, though, who no. was no leader before him. He inherited no. his father's scientific acumen. Yeah, they talk about his that in the His father was a scientist, but he's not... This guy is the only leader of is this. Is now. I think his father's dead. It doesn't matter. He's an alien, so it's not the Earth Eden, unless Christianity has spread to whatever planet he's from. Okay. I just want to come back to the part where you're super wrong. It's not important to the story. It actually isn't important. I it's just really, really feel like I need to say this because I'm going to be like the most upright Herbert that you've ever heard of in this episode. Um, but regardless, like, you're right. He's, he's an, alien. an alien. So unless like Christian, Judeo-Christian mythos has hit whatever planet he's from, the well, planet why is of the cauliflower Why is he calling it an Eden though? It doesn't make sense. I wonder sense. if it's like, I don't know. I, I could think of lots of story reasons how this might have come about, but I don't feel like doing their work for them. They should have explained this to us. <sighs> because they keep, yeah, we're going to the Eden. We're going to Eden, which is found in Romulan by... Romulan space? Which is apparently Why would you Romulan. think it was there? And I would like to know exactly what star charts they're using to decide that this yeah. is where Eden was. Because there's mm-hmm. that whole bit in the middle where Spock and Chekhov are like, yeah, we're looking for Eden. I'm like, why do you, why would you, how will you know when you found Eden? Why would you think it was there yes. in particular? What metric are you using to point at the star chart and go, that one, that one's scientifically Eden. Or even Eden. in that direction. Except it turns out Spock doesn't think it was that one after all. Wait, what? Yeah, because he's like, I hope you find Eden at the end. Unless... I don't know. The thing is, it's stupid and it's never explained. I think Eden is a metaphor. At the end, Spock says, I hope you find your Eden. Or, or make, make it. it. Does he mean metaphorically, I guess? No, he is, he's wishing that they will find this, this society that they're looking for. Or um, that they will make or, it. Yes, or that they can make it I think it they're going to have to make it because I think Spock and Chekhov failing to find an actual planet in the real world proves that it doesn't exist. Okay, but under what criteria are they searching? What is their Boolean search here? I don't think they had one because they didn't really write this episode. You know who did write this episode? Who? Oh, Kim. No, yes. say it isn't so. Yes, I will say No! It, yes, it wasn't guys. DC. It even the dog is upset. <laughs> no! DC, we expect better DC, from you. DC, what have you it done to my DC. No. Oh, God. Oh now God. I'm even more upset. In the original script, one of the girls that eventually was turned into... Irina was her name? Selena? Irina. 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 Um, was originally supposed to be McCoy's daughter. 
Oh. Who had run away to join the hippies. And instead they made her Chekhov's ex-girlfriend. Gets even better. She was supposed to be a love interest for Kirk. Oh. Oh. God. Oh. Oh. Many things in life are not sacred, but not banging your best friend's progeny is one of them. Yeah. Right? So the episode was rewritten so much um, that eventually she's like, yeah, just please take my name off of it. Well, that's fair. But I think that, like, the original Space Hippies bullshit, that's all DC. I choose to believe that if they kept DC's part of it, then the myth would have made more fucking sense. But as it came out, it made no sense because they gave you no information, no world building, no establishment, no anything. It was just really shallow and confusing and ill executed. Let's talk about the fact that this is an amazing social commentary. It's several different ones. This is Law and Order ripped from the headlines. Amazing goodness. They had like two or three different things going on in here that were all, Mm. none of them were super flushed out. No, and nothing was really like very well connected. It was just like, oh, hippies, let's have a checklist. Deep disagree. One of the things that going on was that rock and roll music is the devil's play thing and will entice you to a life of finger snapping and dereliction of duty (laughs) fact (laughs) i did like i did enjoy that they had rock and roll music was like the worst thing that could possibly happen yes and see the whole crew like kind of grooving to the sounds over the intercom and kirk just like going what is happening it is like the part in the prequels of star trek where yoda's like fear leads to hate star wars (laughs) <laughs> please edit that out nope. fear leads to anger anger leads to hate Hate. like it was like and rock music leads to finger snapping finger snapping leads to hip gyration hip gyration leads to tattoos tattoos leads to hippies understand that and hippies equation. sneak into your house and murder all your friends well here's the thing that Ari and I were talking about before yeah. because when I was I'm really watching... I'm actually and this sounds weird but I'm kind of disappointed so was I I when I was watching this episode I was like I wonder like, was this a Manson family thing or a Jonestown massacre thing? Well, but they, this episode predates all of but that. But only just. Yeah. So it was, like, predictive. But it's like, so the answer is yes, but not exactly. I, I think it was more of the general culture of that time of, like... Fucking gurus. Yeah, fucking gurus. These assholes. Okay, the, yeah, it was, it was, there was a whole thing about the gurus and following and... Mm-hmm. Um, and counterculture. And how Manson managed to establish himself but, at all. Yeah, but the thing that was most appealing to me was all of the stuff that Arena was talking about with Chekhov most of the time, which is, like, we want to create... Like, we want to create a society for ourselves. We just want to be what we are. And that was really about... And that's still something you see now, which is about sort of, like, shaking off the chains of expectations of, like, a mainstream society and what you're supposed to do for what you... um, For, like, more, like, following your passions, um, things like that. Because, like, Arena... Because Chekhov and Arena knew each other at the Academy, and you get the idea that Arena wasn't happy at the Academy. And And then she she ran off to L.A. to join a commune. Yes, but (laughs) she had maybe been doing, like... Again, they don't flesh it out enough. It's no. not really clear enough because so much of their bullshit is caught up in the we're super attracted to each other. Let's stare into each other's eyes and almost kiss while we're talking about this. Um, but a lot of her stuff sounded like she went to the academy because that's what she was supposed to do and she was unhappy doing it. Even though Chekhov is like, but you were so good and she was unhappy. And so that for me is what the most interesting part of this was, was looking at the 
not following what society's expectations for you are and setting out on your own path and creating your own definitions of what your life can look like and should look like and who you are um, yourself rather than the box that your your life has been trying to fit you into. Alternately, plenty of smart people end up in cults. I think, but it also, I thought it was interesting and a good reflection of reality that people who go off and follow their passions... Um, are often coming from a position of extreme privilege. Extreme privilege. And that's what they were. Like, these were not from poor planets. No. These were people who had... One of them was a very famous doctor. They had been going to Starfleet Academy. One of them is an ambassador's son. Yeah, Yeah. exactly. That was kind of like, oh, I want to show. off Well, it's really nice that you felt comfortable enough to abandon all of your comforts and privileges to sort of just really fucking inconvenience everyone. Yeah, no, they're assholes. They are and straight up assholes. And possibly murder a bunch of people. Who knows? Well, I, I get what Kim is saying, and it's interesting, and this is one of the very interesting things about this episode, that in a utopian society, people are unhappy with it. Yeah. What what I think is very difficult to wrap our heads around Irina's argument is, who is holding the gun to your head that is forcing you to go into Starfleet? Zero people. Fucking no one. I think that's part of the, part of the, the story that was never... That's not fleshed out enough, and it's not yeah. elaborated yeah. enough on is like why she got why she got to feeling this way, and um, <clears throat> you get a little bit of Severin's cauliflower ear, J.K. Whatever we're calling him, J.K. Um, his dissatisfaction with society, except his is all bullshit, <clears throat> but his is wrapped in sh- the fact that he is insane, self-serving, the bullshit. insane bullshit that they sort of throw That's around true. for. Reasons that I'm not entirely clear on, just to make him wrong, basically. Well, for... Okay, so one, we learned that rock music is the devil. Mm Mm-hmm. Two, never trust anyone under 30, which is a very counterculture thing. (laughs) (laughs) And and that, that again, is what this is speaking to the outsider culture, to the counterculture, is that the older generation, i.e. Kirk, cannot fucking understand what's going on. Um... But they see themselves as outsiders from their own culture, whereas Spock, who is an outsider in Starfleet, is able to kind of yeah, that I liked. between them. That I that thought was, was interesting. very interesting. Like, the very level-headed way Spock approached it, like, he's open-minded, but he's also not going to be a hippie, no thanks, I'm good on the ship. He can see the good in what they're yes. doing, and he can he can say that these are the values that I, I agree with. Yeah, these but he, bits, but the rest of it... But he doesn't, he's not on board with how they're going about achieving their aims, which is... No, Spock really Which is technology. People. Which is, like, something that you see in all social movements, is, like, you sure. see, the, these are the things that I believe in, but I don't believe in this portion of what you're doing. What I liked the most about Spock in this episode is at the very end, all this talk about Eden, and he's like, I don't disagree with what you're looking for, I don't disagree that, but finding it, fine, but you can make it. Yeah. And I think that's the more powerful message. If there's something that you're dissatisfied in society, the way to change is yeah. not to simply remove yourself from it. That is one, yeah, that is a huge part of my life lesson, which we'll get to eventually. But it's like, you don't solve society's problems by leaving society. Well, and what they do, which is apparently play rock music and steal shit. Yeah. Like, I don't... Oh, and possibly infect everyone with a deadly disease. Let's JK not forget that part. JK was a dickhead. Oh, and let's not forget that we meet the hippies initially because they've fucking stolen a spaceship. That they don't know how to fly. Well, but they were going to get to Romulan. Yeah, I know. They're not good people. It's like the it's like the beginning of Jesus Christ Superstar. 
where they they drive off into the Jesus desert. Christ. Okay, I've never seen this. So you're telling me that Jesus Christ spe- steals a spaceship? No, a van. why have I not seen this play yet? He steals. A, okay, they they the drive tale, into the desert. Norman Jewison's Jesus Christ Superstore is a tale of a drama camp gone horribly wrong. <laughs> that is the absolute best interpretation of that film. Like it's totally bananas, but it's the same sort of like they get in a van and they drive off into the fucking desert and everything goes wrong. Well, they accidentally crucify three people and they're like, yeah. whoops, and then they get back into their van and drive away. Is this going to affect my capstone project? Yes. The answer is yes. Yeah, so they've fucking stolen a spaceship, and the Enterprise is chasing them, and they blow out the radiator, basically. Well, I think they were trying to escape from the tractor beam. Is this the first time we've had... No, we've had tractor beams before. Yeah, yeah. I was so excited. But anyways, they're going into Romulan space, and they're like, you know, guys... If you go there, you, you are going to cause an incident. You could start a war and cause the deaths of millions of innocent people. So, how about no? And their answer is, well, how about yes? How about I just floor it and blow up my ship? Yeah, which they do. Mm-hmm. Which they do. Mm-hmm. So that's like the whole cold open. Um, and they beam them off at the last second. They beam the idiots aboard is what I wrote here. And there they are. And I think this is a good time to pause for our first outfit break. So, I don't know if anybody can tell from my voice, but I have been pretty sick this week. So, I am afraid that I passed outfit duty over to Kareem. Okay. Here I goes. Can, I, will, I, I will try and help the best I can, but I honestly didn't take any notes because I looked and I went, I have six people here. I can't do this. Okay. <laughs> it's such a cornucopia. It and is. no one's is the same. I'm going to start with Adam, who I called Big Forehead, Big Hair. He has on a clown wig that is gold. He has a jutting jaw that goes about two inches past his nose. He is wearing... So I actually... Threads? It's like a sarong wrapped up like a diaper and a onesie. It sort of comes together in like several points in the middle of his chest with like visible nipples hanging out. It looks like one really big piece of fabric just wrapped around until it... Met the decency yeah. code. He also has thigh-high thigh high bo- oh green boots. Green suede boots. Yes. 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 Yep. Um, and at all times, a loot. Yes. A space loot. A he space also loot. has a, like, chalk blue tattoo of an eagle okay. on his forehead. So this, I remember the first time I ever watched this episode, my mother was sitting there and I'm like, what is painted on? My mom went, oh, memories. Because of this is what? something they used to do. It's like watercolor paint. Or it's not exactly watercolor paint, but they painted on themselves, hippies. So the painting of faces, you've probably seen it in photographs, but yeah, they would paint on their faces and their arms, and it was basically watercolor paints. So this is very on brand. (laughs) Um, So one thing that every space hippie had that they never acknowledged or explained in any way is they are all wearing a white stuffed egg shape. It is a felted egg. Yeah, Mm -hmm. with like an orange block with an infinity symbol inside. I think it's supposed to be the yolk. Whatever. It was an infinity symbol yeah. on there. Um, it's hilariously strange. They're all hideously ugly. Do not go along with the outfit nope. at all. It completely ruined Arena's outfit. Yep. Mm-hmm. And they never mention them or explain it in any way. And nope. I feel like that's been cut out of the text. Like, why wasn't it a triangle? Why wasn't it, like, a communicator or anything? Useful I don't understand. Or meaningful. Unless it was, like, an egg on the face of Starfleet because they were wearing them like their insignia. Sure. 
I guess. Yeah, I'm going to go with that metaphor. Whatever. I'm in charge of costume duty today, so suck it. Um, <laughs> J.K. Simmons is wearing... A blanket. Well, it's a wall hanging that we had in our house that my dad got from Australia in the 70s <laughs> that I really hated, but, you know, when you're 12, you can't really articulate your vision for a space <laughs> when technically your house belongs to your parents, so I had to go buy it every day and just kind of go... <laughs> it's a blanket and harem pants. Yeah, he's also got, like... I don't even, I, his ears, I just want to rip them off his head. They look like somebody has taken sort of, um, like a round piece of putty mm-hmm. and crammed their enormous fingerprints into it and then just slapped them on the side of his head. Yes. We're going to move on to eyebrows. But, you, um, J.K. Simmons has also baldy bald bald. Yes. And he's got a painting on top of his head. It's fucking flowers. Yeah, it is. Yeah. Blue flowers. They're all covered on in top flowers. of his baldy head. I hate him. I want him, like, sliced into... One of the ladies is actually... Is actually wearing, like, a bell-sleeved romper. Like, it's just a fucking straight-up romper. Yeah. Which is sort of brown and gold. Um, Irina... I actually kind of liked Irina's. It was the only one that looked like it was tailored. Not in real life, but compared to the others. Okay, she is wearing... What was my mom's high school graduation dress? The fa- I <laughs> but in black and I with liked, a crop. I liked the fabric. It was pretty. Yeah. It was black with a f- pink and purple floral print on it. Well, it was the only outfit that didn't look like it was just a scarf wrapped around several times. Yes. That's fair. It was like a floor length skirt with thigh high splits. That they just and a crop like, top. slice the back off of and she, entirely. Yeah. yeah, and the crop top yeah. had like very big Open big sleeves. sleeves. Big, yeah. Again, yeah. it was my mom's high school graduation. Yeah. Like, it suited yeah. her at least, sort of. Her hair drove she me nuts. She looked good. Yeah, she, she looked great. She has a, oh God, a, like, crocheted afghan on her ass. Okay, no. All the girls were carrying crocheted purses. Some of them, some of the gentlemen had these, like, hanging between their legs mm-hmm. at some point. I was mm-hmm. like, what is going on? They were all carrying them at all times in places where you should not actually be carrying your purse around with yeah. you. What was it hanging there off There were three of? ladies. The last lady was Kay. very blonde and very Side young. Side ponytail, I yeah. loved. She was a musician that did this episode. And was with like, the bicycle wheel. Yes, acting is not for me. She has the biggest, cutest side ponytail yeah. of all all time. It is so ahead of its time. I loved it so much. Um, she is also I, wearing a variation on Adam's sort of wrapped sarong diaper onesie thing. Yes. I feel like her her side ponytail inspired the entire 80s. Yes. Sure. Absolutely. Like, if I had been alive in the 80s, she would have been my god. Yeah. Like, with her cute eyeliner and her giant-ass side pony she and was, her, like... She was, like, adorable. Yeah, she, she was, was cute. so cute. And again, she and some other guy who I don't care about did the music for this episode, which I loved. Yeah, sure. Uh, I respect her ta- uh, art, I guess. Um, and then we have eyebrows and purple purple eyebrows. Eyebrows. We're just calling them so eyebrows. So this guy... He's got eyebrows for miles. They're a forest of eyebrows. Like, I, they did give the name purple. of his planet. He's like... His actual name in the episode is something like... It's Tongan Rad. Kai. Rad. Tongan Rad. Tongan, Tongan Rad. Rad. Which yeah. sounds like a Star Wars character. And he's the ambassador's son. Mm-hmm. Well, they the should send him back to his planet because he's ugly. Catulan? Catula? Something like that. Sure. Catalan. Yeah. But um, they basically arrest these assholes. Or they try to. They they beam on board and they're like, so... Back to the eyebrows. Back oh, to the eyebrows. Here's... They go out about 15 yeah, really inches from his forehead. And then he's got like... His entire forehead, like, scraped back until about mid the top of his head. And then he's got, like, the grossest purple wig that has it's ever happened. And he looks like an Oompa Loompa. And he's wearing, like, 
a little tunic that comes down to about ooh, about a third of the way down his thighs. I cannot believe you looked past his eyebrows. I kept I'm staring. Purple at hair them. and eyebrows are not really that novel. Why any would longer. you not like cut them? Like, Maybe that's the fashion on, on Rad World. Mm, you don't know. Yeah. He's going against culture by not trimming his eyebrows. Sure. You can't tell him what to do with his sure. body. I can. And here's the <laughs> other thing. Would. None of them are wearing any fucking shoes. No shoes, no shirt, no service, no protection from Acid Planet. That is a metaphor for your death. Yeah. Anyhow. Yeah. Yeah, so there's like triangle hands for everyone. And like all sitting on, they immediately stage a sit-in in the transport room. Of course they fucking do. Before they do, they're all in formation, which I really appreciate. Like the girls have like draped themselves nicely, but they're all doing like triangle, triangle fingers at everyone. Which is also oh. never explained and never comes up again. Well, it's just, this made me angry in the exact same part of my brain that made me angry in the, on the Miri planet. And it's like, wow, you never got over this stage, did you? What? You know, that, 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 that age where kids are just completely fucking insufferable and they feed off each other and make each other worse. Like, all the times the kids were chanting in Miri, I got so, I'm like, just stop, just so... go to sleep. Children from about 12 to about 27. Well, sure, if they're staging sit-ins and transport six. rooms. Six <laughs> yeah. Up. yeah. I think what this episode does as a disservice to this character is that they're so infantile. Yeah, that's exactly that it. Any part of their argument you just don't want to listen to. Because they're children. Because, But on the other hand, like I guess this is what this is trying to say, that hippies are... Dumb. <laughs> Certain like, social movements. Like, it's not. It's not. Sim- it, the show, like the episode, is not in any way sympathetic to the ideas or the causes of these of this group, except for possibly Arena. But that's only because she's a hottie. Well, Spock is, and I feel like because Spock gives him the time of day, the episode in a way it legitimizes gives him the time them of day. to a yeah. point because he believes in their in their mission, which is to escape from technology correct me if i'm wrong no I'm okay what he does that. what he says very close to the beginning of the episode when they're discussing the space hippies and the space hippie, hippie movement and whatever yeah is that he says it's not sympathy so much as a desire to understand so he respects the movement he doesn't necessarily agree with it it's that he understands outsiders and he finds them interesting they are interesting because you know they clearly don't feel like they fit into their own worlds their own which world, which is fine and absolutely there should be a place for you just like stop stealing shit yeah maybe stop stealing spaceships that'd be great but they don't recognize authority so it's fine anyway oh, they show up they throw a sit in they start screaming the word herbert repeatedly <laughs> standing there like i do not have i feel like kirk is every single parent of every single hippie child <laughs> he just doesn't un- if you guys could just play by the rules for five seconds until i don't have to deal with you anymore yeah. And he's like, so the only reason that you guys aren't under arrest is because that guy is an ambassador's son, and they've asked us to not arrest you, but to take you back to, like, a starbase so that I can be fucking rid of you. It's great, because Kirk shows up and is like, I would love to be rid of you. Guys, you violated flight regulations. <laughs> and like You ele- chastised! And, like, 11 other laws. And, by the way, you could have started an interstellar war. Yeah. Could you not do Apparently that? Spock speaks their language, though. Yeah, because he studied them. Apparently. Something about the one in the beginning. They turn their back on confusion. They're looking for planet Eden. He finds the code words so that they'll stop yelling. Of the one? Sure. Again, not explained. Their philosophy no, nothing is not is explained. explained or expanded upon it's in any way. Which is 
irritating. Yeah, I, I don't know. curious. Like, I feel like they wanted to return to a simpler time where we weren't dependent on. And what Arena starts saying is that you don't do what the computer tells you to do. That it's more. I okay. As the biggest technophobe in the room, yes. Luddite. <laughs> I can understand somewhat sort of where they're coming from in yeah. the the. Fi- Shut your face! And that the thing that got me about what they're talking about and the constant reliance on technology was something that we have now that you see in technology, which is the planned obsolescence of technological devices. And you're always needing to upgrade, upgrade, upgrade to buy something new to get to the next one. And that you don't... And that was the thing that I felt like they were sort of trying I to talk about, but not, not really. That's no. where it led me, because I'm somebody... I don't particularly enjoy mm. lots and lots of technology, um, because I feel like it's constantly forcing me, um, to, I don't, not like buy, try and like, they want me to buy new stuff all the time. But you don't. Yeah, I know. And then you guys yell at me because my stuff doesn't, you think it Only doesn't work right. Only when you bring it back every two days to get me to fix it because you're not. I don't. Anyway, I did you... not see that. There was a lot of like straight I up mean, fucking not to say that that's not true, <laughs> sure. but I don't think that that was what they were talking no. about in the they episode. They were talking about. Probably they weren't in the episode, but that's what resonated with me well, like now in my life. And like I could. But they were talking about like. Deep green ecology, which is nonsense. It's like this idea that there's like a, a prehistory time where we didn't need rules and society and technology. It's like, guess what? Sharp rocks are technology guys. Well, with, because of their songs, which I studied at great length, <laughs> they keep talking about like eating fruit. Long time back when the galaxy was new. Well, like Ugh. eating fruit is important and living off the land and a lot of like stuff about current hippies that we need to stop relying on technology for anything and that there's a simpler better way to live i repeat <laughs> i know i'm not disagreeing with you but i like this is this is my sister my sister is one of these people oh, christ <laughs> for a fact like the homesteader movement and the young agrarians movement and all this kind of stuff mm-hmm. that We've lost our connection with nature, and we've switched over. We're part technology. of nature. We're part of the circle of life. We are part of nature, no matter how many computer programs you rely upon. But and I think I think I see there's things like that that are still going on today, like um, buying local produce rather yeah, yeah, yeah. than well, sure. you know getting stuff from imports. And so those kind of themes and stuff do echo through our lives today. But mm-hmm. in the real world, those things are about integrating more like fundamental like, ecologically sound ideas into society part of it. in the real world. No, 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 no. But part of, like, the um, the farm-to-plate initiatives of knowing where your food yes, is, knowing sure. how your food gets made. But that's not what this being is. Being aware of that natural process this rather is... than being far removed of it, where your food comes yeah. through a... Well, yes, that's great. I prefer to know where my food was grown also, but I also don't plan to burn down the entire city to live in a tree. Or wherever the fuck they were planning on living. They're going to live in the shade, as the song says. Mm. Yeah. Um, in the shade. They did not have any plans for that new village they were going to build. Yeah. Um, and I see it as sort of, in some ways, that they're trying to... They did it without the episode actually talking about it, really, but they're trying to reject the capitalist system. Um, in... they, the, the, most of them grew up in a socialist utopia. So if that is the case, it's even more frustrating. Fine. Let's move on here. <laughs> Yeah, so Spock talks crazy hip space hippie to them. Uh, so they calm down a little bit. They're like, we're going to Eden. And Kirk's like, that's a myth. 
He's really upset by them calling him Herbert. He is, because he thinks he's so cool. He does think he is really cool. And usually he is. I would argue he's always the coolest guy in the shop, but apparently not. It's hard to seem cool when a bunch of teenagers want to stop screaming Herbert at you. Apparently this was a slag on one of the previous, like, producers or workers in the studio or something like that. There was someone called Herbert? Yeah, there was someone called Herbert. I and that thought really it was supposed, because they, they did, Sony asks, like, who the hell's Herbert? And they're like, he was a minor official. I thought it was supposed to be, like, a dig at Herbert Hoover. No. <laughs> no. I, I, whatever you think about the presidency, he was not a minor official. <laughs> I, I'm pretty sure, like, according to, like, Star Trek lore, it was someone who was working in the studio studio that they didn't like oh no so, See, me not knowing funny. anything i was like it's like a herbert hoover reference i don't know that herbert hoover was the stiffest of all the presidents no he was pretty bad at economy was he though just the head of the fbi was he a president hooverville's yeah hooverville he was um in the great depression oh i thought he was just the head of the fbi that's are we are we talking about the same person? I don't think so. Herbert Hoover, because Hooverville's. Yeah. Hence was the president. We're he Canadian. We don't need it's, to know this. We don't need to know this, Let's no. move on. No. Yeah. So, Crinkly Ears says, okay, well, we blew up our stolen spaceship, so now you will take us to Eden. And Kirk's like, no. No. Thank you. Apparently, Chekhov knows one of them. He recognizes her by voice, which is impressive, because they knew each other at Starfleet. Okay, guys... What was their relation? They obviously, like, were together or something. Or, or sleeping nearly together anyway. or whatever. I, I get the feeling from the way she's written that Arena was not supposed to have spent very long at the Academy. Well, she must have spent long enough for him to know she was a brilliant scientist. Well, I also think they came from the same place. Yeah, I because guess. they both have... Russian They're both accents. from Russia. Yeah. Russia's pretty big, guys. It's true. Not <laughs> everyone there knows each other. <laughs> it's like Canada. I don't know every Canadian... Um, but no, I mean, like, maybe they trained together at, like, a entrance exam thing, or, like, but I feel like she wasn't there for very long. Well, later on, we know they do, like, pre-entrance testing at other places before they go to the academy, so maybe. The entire story is they may or may not have hooked up. They definitely know each other. She yeah. quit and joined a cult in LA. The way he describes it is, yeah, she disappeared one day and fucking joined a cult. She says she stayed in the city, so I assume that means San Francisco. Sure. Because that's where Starfleet Academy is. Um, which is pretty on brand also for hippies. God damn them all. Kirk and Spock have a little conversation. It's like, do you actually think Eden exists? Um, and Spock's like, well, the dude who thinks it does was a legit scientist. Uh, yeah, so J.K. Simmons or Simons? Simmons. Simmons was a legit sonic scientist. Physics. Much like the sonic screwdriver. He was but a better. physicist. Um, and he quit. Yeah, he fucked off into space, basically. Yeah. Um, and Spock's like, so, I mean, he was a legit scientist, but mostly, you know, most of it is nonsense, but there might be a grain of, he's very, he's very cautious in his assessment of it. I, like, whenever we sit down to, like, write reports or anything like that, we always get, like, a standard definition of what terms mean so that all the partners and, yeah. you know, people can agree on what we are talking about. I would have loved everyone to sit down and, like, when we are talking about Eden, 
What do you think it means? Can we get like a three line explanation of the myth as it stands in the Federation? Or like what you're looking for in an Eden? Is it just that it has like. Like, what does the story say? Yeah. Because they keep talking about the myth of Eden. It's like we never actually hear the myth of Eden. Also, they're looking for people there to question mark? Like, what are those people there to purify them? They're there to purify them. Oh, no. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, no. This is, what is it called? What is it called when people, like, fuck off to Thailand or something to eat, pray, love their way out of their marital troubles? Um, social tourism? I, I feel like, okay, if we're again going to draw, like, people thinking that they're part of, like, the Native American or First oh. Nations lifestyle who are like, oh, these people, like, their way of life so pure. So simple. So yes. much better than our way. And it's insulting in both directions. Yeah. Oh, it's so gross. None of this is good. But anyways... JK is like, well, this is, here we are, take it to our place. And Kirk's like, you guys should go, like, get medically checked up because your ship exploded all over you. Yep. It's like on your clothes. And so they have to be dragged off to sick bay because apparently hippies don't believe in medicine either. They're anti-vaxxers. Great. Yeah, actually. No, I have a different analogy, I think, because... Uh, da, 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 da. They have there's like there's like an interlude conversation where Chekhov wanders into sick bay to talk to Arena. No, um, <clears throat> we have skipped over the first song. I also oh, yeah. skipped over the first musical song. number. Oh god, do we have to dwell on the song? Yes, yes we really we do. do. He's playing a pickaxe. Yes, of course they were terrible. No, but they were a big part of the episode. No, I love them. I know you do, Kareen, which is so they bizarre were... because you hate hippies, but you love their music. I do. It's something about. The way that they tune their guitars. Uh, the thing that stuck out to me the most about this song was that it was definitely pre-recorded, and he oh, was yeah. definitely <laughs> lip-syncing. Not very well. Either. Which was very distracting, because, like, we've had musical numbers on Star yeah, Trek a before. fair more than yeah. you would expect. Yes. Yeah. And those, I don't think, were pre-recorded. Like, oh, they were. Like, Ahura yeah. singing. Yes. They for sure were, okay. but they were better oh, yeah. They were much better done then, but this was, like... I think there were some extra instruments in the musical yeah. mix, other than like I mean, unless the funny guitar on the bottom. Unless space lutes can multi-track live, I feel like they could. If Jason Mraz I feel can like do they it, set it up. then I imagine the space hippies. Well, can. what really bothered me, other than the fact that there were bongos in this, is that they were not synced to what that guy's hand no. motions were. They doing were just now. random bongos. He wasn't even touching the bongos; he was just like lightly stroking them. And the guy playing what looked to be like a pickaxe, something like that. Yeah. Yeah. Well, because it's like it's like. A neck. Yeah. And then what you can't see until they get a lot closer to it is that there's strings coming up from the side, so it's like formed a triangle of strings. I'm not even doing it's hand like, motions. It's like an electric jokes, it's, it's like a crossbow. It's, it's like yeah, if an electric bow. guitar had a baby with a harp. Oh, that, in is, shape, that is a liar. So. Well, in shape, it is a lot like a, like a short-necked electric guitar because it's triangular at the base, and then it goes in, and there, there is a neck. It super looks like a crossbow. I don't know what you're talking about. But there's no, like, with a guitar or a lute or any, There's like, no sound hole. There's no, like, no, there's no... It's just, ba- like, straight. Yeah, there's straight no back. String. Which made me think, like, those things They're could electric. not be... Yeah, they have to be. They couldn't possibly make that noise otherwise. I can't believe we're having this conversation. <laughs> well, it really bothered me. It no, bothered me since for childhood. If you don't have a sound hole, you need something else to amplify the no, sound. No, it was for sure. Like, did you Has listen to, to the music? Have been. It's the yeah. same chords. Like, you've heard as... a harp live. It's the they're same. Yeah, really quiet. Nonsense. It's the same starting musical chords tuned to as um, the birds for your love. Oh yeah, like it's exactly like so. Like, like they're anti-technology, but they're ding. using technology to ding. spread their anti-technology message. 
Well, because rock and roll is the devil's tool. Like, <sighs> uh, I don't understand what you're having problems with. It's great because it's all like lyrics like, gotta live, not die. Uh, Super sophisticated uh, philosophy there, guys. It's great. Tell me how you're going to work your indoor plumbing. Um, Chekhov, yeah, they, they all get hauled off to medical bay. Chekhov goes up to Irina and is like, why are you with these assholes? <laughs> so why did you join a cult? Yeah. She knew he was on the Enterprise. Yeah, there's a great moment because they're having this really private, like, personal conversation. And this red shirt, like, saddles over, takes a look at Arena, takes a look at Chekhov and is like, nice. <laughs> and Chekhov looks at him and is like, let's go somewhere far Else. from this guy. Yeah. Far from this guy. It's, again, it is not as if this crew has not seen half-naked ladies before, because it's every other week. And yeah. you know what? They're all pretty dressed. She like, has a tramp stamp, though. Tramp stamp. Oh, I tramp didn't stamp, notice that. I didn't notice stamp, either. Tramp stamp. Tramp stamp. Amazing. Yeah. Just putting um, that out there. I really enjoyed that Arena kept up with Chekhov on Space Facebook, because she <laughs> yeah. knew where he was posted. <laughs> yeah. I'm so happy. Um, and in this scene, and only this scene, mm-hmm. Chekhov is wearing a shit ton of eye makeup. Oh, really? He is got like raccoon eyeliner and like gray mascara i didn't notice it was distracting let's talk about her eye makeup she has got thick eyeliner and then with like a line of what i can only describe as colgate toothpaste green (laughs) over it i love it i I honestly love everything about Arena's outfit and hair and makeup, except for the stupid fucking egg. Yes, yeah. death to eggs. Death to eggs. That's number three. Infinity on my eggs. List. Hippies, <laughs> bungos, and eggs. I do not like it. I do. Okay, what we learned from this conversation is that Chekhov would be the worst boyfriend ever. Well, okay, what I got out of this conversation is like he's like, so I was in love with you. Why did you just fucking disappear one day? And she's like, well, you were too proper. And his the impression he leaves is like, oh, yeah, how awful of me. I wanted to, like, have a life with you, and you just joined a cult. He's really upset. The words he says to her is, you can't feel things. <laughs> she's like, well, you disapproved of me, so I left. Which, which fair. Fair. Well, sure. Except it sounds like she never actually talked to him about it. Ah, uh, we don't know if she didn't leave a post-it note or not. Well, he says she simply disappeared. He had no idea what happened the to her. The post-it note fell behind the drawer. Oh, do they have post-it notes in the 23rd century? For sure. Of course post-it they do. Post-it notes will never die. No, if post-it notes ever die, I don't want to live on this world anymore. <laughs> what? How do you function without post-it notes? I really don't Digital know. interfaces on every surface. Do, 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 do. No. Post-it so, note. She's like, you'd be so much happier if you just boys gone wild a little bit. And he's like, I'm not really a wild boy. Okay, so uh, who's the actor that plays Chekhov? Walter Keong. Walter Koenig. Koenig. I said the way wrong. (laughs) Young! I don't know. Is the sound that he makes when his head hits a bell. Um, Hates this episode because essentially Chekhov was brought into by like the slightly bad boy, roguish, doesn't play by the rules. Except he sucks at that. Makes stupid, inappropriate comments all the time. Yeah, and so in this episode, he is the square. He is the squariest square. square. He's a square. Well, it's funny because like who is the real Herbert? It sounds like every other culture in the Federation, except for the Vulcans, look at humans as the squares of the universe. We are fairly uptight, but in this one, like, Chekhov just, even Kirk comes off as like, well, I'm trying to understand you guys, but you're just not making it real easy on me. Well, Chekhov's too up in his hurt feelings to 
Yeah, he is all real upset. in her business. Mm-hmm. Um, who we should really feel badly for in this episode is Chapel, because she gets to wrestle oh with God. JK, who, after they explain to him that he has a disease... That, a horrible, deadly disease. That should that he come into contagious. contact with these heavy air quotes primitives, it would fucking kill all of them. Yeah, it's like, have you heard of the Spanish coming to North America? His line is, prejudice is not science. Fantasy, fantasy, fantasy. I hate him so much. He's great. So this is the analogy I drew from this. Okay. Is that in the 50s and 60s, um, when the Centers for Disease Control started tracking, you know, Disease. STI outbreaks specifically. Okay. So you're saying he has space syphilis. He has space syphilis. So he has deadly drug-resistant space syphilis. The ACLU, among other organizations that were, this is not a knock to either group, but really arm-in-arm with the hippies and the free love movement, uh, basically sued a bunch of people because they thought that disease tracking so that they could find the right strain was a violation of people's civil rights and therefore was an unacceptable violation of their civil rights, even if it kept people alive and not sterile from sexually transmitted infections. And this was a big controversy. So, yeah, he has space syphilis. That is so interesting. Isn't it? Huh. Yeah. I'm sorry, I've got to sit and think about this for a minute here. I know, I'm having a really <laughs> interesting mull on that. I am, because, like... Because I kind of see their point. I do. Yeah. Like, it, it... it To categorize people based on an illness is prejudicial. Well, it wasn't even categorization. It was just trying to find out who do you have sex with so that we can track this back to the source so that we can treat that person so they stop giving the disease to other people. Who yeah. did you get it from? Reminds me of an article that I read recently regarding um, AIDS outbreaks in New York in, I think it was the early 80s mm-hmm. or something, yeah. where... They were trying. There was somebody that was referred to as like patient X for yeah. bringing, yeah. yeah, and it was the wrong person, yeah. yeah, and he had been like publicly accused for years and years yeah. and years and years and years, and it was only after he'd been dead for twenty years, people were like, no, it was someone else. Yeah, yeah. it's interesting because I feel. I, I kind of get it, because when you're doing that, there's almost a tinge of blame to it. Quietly it was call Bob! You syphilis yeah. Bob had the syphilis! Yeah. Who does not? Yeah. I mean, and I understand the point that they are making here, or what they're talking about with his condition, is that he is not going to get sick from it. He can pass it to people who have not been vaccinated. It is fixable through a vaccination. Yeah. So they have simply asked him to stay somewhere where right. people have access yes. to the vaccine. Yes. yes. Which seems reasonable. It does, doesn't it? It does. This is it. And they, they, they refer to him as like a typhoid Mary. Yeah. Which, you know, she did fight time and time again of saying, no, you can't make me do anything. I'm going to go off and cook for someone else. And lo and fucking behold, they got sick too. Yeah. Here's the thing. They can make you there because was, you're a threat to the public. <laughs> there was a plot line about this in the Nick. Where people were getting typhoid in all these upper, upper, like upper yeah. end houses, and everyone's like, "Where the hell are we picking this up? We're goddamn rich." Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it was the cook that they had all been sharing. Yeah, yeah. yeah. It's funny. It's funny that bad things can happen to you <laughs> even when you're only exploiting the poor. <laughs> this is also really interesting because I believe that the United States. We're really sorry, guys. They are currently or have just passed a law that makes it no longer against the law, like punishable. To not tell the people that you are sexual partners with that you are HIV positive and have unprotected sex with them. Um, 
it's probably tied up in a bunch of reproductive rights laws being repealed. Mm-hmm. But yeah, so it's it's a thing that's never really gone away. Uh, but this guy in particular is an asshole. Yeah. No, he... Because they're like straight up, you could be like smallpox in North America. And he's like, you can't make me what, do anything. You can't tell me what to do. This is an infringement on my rights. And then he goes all, I don't believe in your so-called science. And that's where I'm like, just shove him out an airlock. Would have been faster and nicer than what happens so to him. So much faster. I love that one of the ladies immediately like clings on to Sulu and is like, hey, yeah. you're young. Think young, buddy. And he's like, ah, don't, <laughs> you, you're don't you want this? And he's like, how do you know what I want? He's like, <laughs> yeah. So great. At which point Kirk is like, Sulu, what the hell? Like, get a hold of yourself. Yeah. And then comes in aggressive singing. Mm-hmm. They stage a riot outside sick bay. But like a singy riot and it's fun and no one sedates them. <laughs> I wrote this down as the hippies play music at the crew, not yeah. to them, at them. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> so they quarantine Severin. They throw another fit. They, uh, and then they sort of go out into the ship to try and convert everyone to space hippieism. And Kirk's like, God, can't we just throw them in the brig? The answer to that is no, unfortunately. Spock tries to have a heart-to-heart with JK, and JK's like, don't try and play Dr. Me. Anti-vax. Like, you're just going to restrict me to travel to advanced planets, so people who have been immunized against the poison that is inside of me. And Spock's like, well, yeah. Yeah, that is what we're going to do, mm-hmm. because you can kill people. And he's like, no, the primitives can cleanse me. Their way of living is right. Okay, so that part is bullshit. Oh, yeah. (laughs) But the thing here that was interesting to me is that the illness he has is caused caused by advanced technology and was created. That is never explained. Magic, magic, magic. Superbugs. Well, yeah, that's what I thought of, but I didn't think that was a thing in the 60s. I'm pretty sure it wasn't. Not, but I, th- I think it's one of those things like the diseases that come from well, this is not like, enough contact with nature. This is like the people who think they're allergic to modern society. No, it's a no, 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 but I think that's how he's rationalizing it. No, no. it's about like if you don't have any connection with nature and you don't play in the mud as a child, it gives you a bacterial live... infection. No, if you live a completely sterile existence, like that's not safe either. No, there's just gonna be other things that come and kill you, but. Having that connection and getting dirty and fruit of the earth or whatever it is important. His his illness was created in an environment where most germs have been killed off. I think is what he's trying to get at. Is it is created from an advanced lifestyle? Yeah, yeah. Which is what he's what he's very angry about. Is he's sick? He's had all of he's having all of these freedoms taken away from him. Through something that has happened to him because of the society that he lives in. And I, in this way, we absolutely see his logic in that, you know, he has become ill from this way of living. If he had had more of a connection to nature or if he had... Although none of that is, life, like, all backed up by anything or explained. No. So I've the decided most important he's full part, of crap. The most important part is that, okay, guys, JK is like, let them in and I'll, I'll talk to them and they'll follow your rules. And he gives, Well, Spock like, also is like... If you guys could just calm the hell down, we might be able to talk to the Federation, get them to let you settle this planet legally. Mm, sure. And Severin's like, yeah, he gives this, like, creepy smile, like, I'll Ugh. tell them to behave. And then there is a beat. 
and then we're back to the bridge. Spock takes a look at Kirk and says, Dr. Severin is insane. Yeah. <laughs> Which was my favorite two seconds of Star yeah, Trek it ever. It was Because it's like this beat. And then, oh no, like he's off his gourd. Yeah. Off his gourd. Yeah. Insano. The other takeaway from that was that Spock offered, in exchange for Severin, getting his friends to stop aggressively singing at people and interrupting them in their duties, that he would borrow Chekhov and try and science out the location of Eden. Sure. By whatever methods they were doing that. I He's insane! No it is great. Um, stupid stuff happens. Eventually, uh, Adam goes to see Spock in his quarters and does oh, the have a jam ultimate session. dude bro thing, which is like, hey, you play? Want a jam? At yeah. which point I died. He also calls Kirk the great white captain. And I, <laughs> oh, that was amazing. I just about fell on the floor. I was so happy. Um, Irina goes to see Chekhov and he Could thinks, not more clearly be no, checking out the room for an evil no. plan. She's like, oh, so what does this room do? Oh, it can control the entire ship. And then if, if hypothetically, like in between makeouts... I wanted to take over the ship. And, I could like, do from control here. Control it like that button there. But like hypothetically, like in between our makeouts, uh, what button would I have to push to do that? <laughs> okay, and like this is not like I'm not trying to entrap you in any any way. But like if I wanted to kill everyone with like sound waves, like which button would I push over here? Like here? Oh, there's an instruction manual on the computers. Sweet. Good to know. With tongues I now. I just wanted to pat him on the head and be like, poor, dumb little Chekhov. Yeah. You were so flummoxed by her boobs. You're in her plump lips. Yeah. Her plump lips. So. He's also, may I note, wearing mm. less eye makeup in this scene. His uh, bang situation. I kind of wondered. situation and or sideburn situation. His hair was doing something real weird. It should be looked at. Yeah. So I was actually wondering now that, because I didn't notice the eye makeup. and it, it was, was he ill? Did he stop in the turbo lift and put it on real fast <laughs> on his way down to sickbay the first time? And um, then he took it off again because he had to go on duty. Entirely possible. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. I love how they have a little, like, st- staff meeting, a hippie staff meeting. Mm-hmm. A staffin, if you will. Um, where they are Our evil plans are yes, a go. Yes. Where they are going to recruit every member by appealing to their special skills. By like, being friendly. You know how oh to be God. friendly. I love this. I love Manson this. girls. Yeah, that is exactly how I was yeah. like. Had, like, this wasn't expanded on very much. and We didn't yeah. actually go any further with this. But, like, the friendly implied sleep with everyone to get them on your side. Strongly implied, And that's yes. what the hippie movement was, is that the men would sit around and they'd send the women out to go trade sexual favors for money for food. Well, or to The go... dark hippie cult, anyway. Yeah. Well, among others, like, would go send the women to go get food and scavenge around and beg did by you, being friendly. Did you read The Girls by Emma Klein? I got, like, a couple of chapters in and I was like, oh, well, this is too scary for me to read. <laughs> well, um, it's very good and it's about that exactly. Yeah. It's about the way the men use the women in the cult yeah, and mm-hmm. it's Oh, such a good book. So read that. Um, it ties into Karina Longsworth. Um, parts Longsworth, about, yeah. Yeah, about the You must remember Mansons. this. Yeah. Oh, she was um, a great series on the Mansons. Really, yeah. really great. But it's all about, yeah, it's all about The background music sounds like the songs in this episode. Which I love. Yeah. <laughs> Anyways, like, we it, have is, a... it is about, like, it's yeah. free love. But it's free love for men, men. to sleep with, sleep with whatever women they want to, whenever they want to, regardless of what Kind of like want. always. Yeah. <sighs> So we get a hippie concert in code. Oh, I love this. I love this. Question. 
Question, question, question. Why are they broadcasting this to the entire ship? They're being friendly. They've done it before. I mean, not to the entire ship. And the bridge? Like, surely you guys have stuff to do? Well, I assume in this case it's because they assume they're up to something, which good call. Mm. Uh, But basically, it's a lot of singing. There's a jam session. There's some medleys. Spock plays with uh, Hippie Barbie. I want to give some real flavor to this. So he's going around with his crossbow guitar and she's like singing back up and like acting out the songs for everyone to a bunch of people who are like slowly like. I got so much secondhand embarrassment during this part. I loved this. And then during their number, Spock shows up like he's brought his banjo to an acid rock concert and kind of like standing there awkwardly, like, I would like to join in and play. Can we jam now? Can we jam? And eventually they're like, yeah, like, come on. Oh, they invited him. Side Ponytail is like, yeah, I'm going to play my bicycle wheel and uh, you can play your loot. Space loot. And we're going to do some, like, sexy slow jazz. But not jazz. It's not jazz. What I would term this music of and the type of music that I like is called um, navel grazing. Navel gazing. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Grazing yeah. or gazing. But yeah, it's. Like, all the Danny Warhol's back catalog yeah. and all that kind of stuff where it's just, like, twangly guitars and, like, a little bit, but not too much drum, but mostly tinkling things. <laughs> so, the music is Real also... Mellow. The music is also full of secret messages. Yeah, it's like, essentially telegraphing now. what they need to do. Because it hypnotizes people. Because apparently these people have never heard music before. I don't think they get a lot of live entertainment on the starship. No. Uhura's there, like, all the time. Except for not this episode. No, Uhura isn't in this episode. There's another blonde lady named Lieutenant Palmer at Palms. Who I thought, because of the way this show usually deals with, like, lady guest stars who aren't normally, I thought she was going to somehow get converted into the hippie movement. No, I like that we just saw her doing her job. She's just there doing her job. We've actually seen Lieutenant Palmer before. Have we? we? Yeah, I know I've looked her up before, so we've definitely... I don't remember what episode, but she's been around before so that's great she's just smart lady doing her job and not getting involved in hippie cults good job yeah good not job like that everyone. remember that art historian who like ran off with like oh Kong? yeah that's kind of what i was expecting here that's fair but no one did just, no nope, it was no probably because of their stupid ass tattoos yeah. yeah so my favorite part about this is that of course they're gonna break while the uh, music is distracting yeah everyone. of course because it's that's part of their plan they they're break gonna break in. him out of jail but Here's my problem. So they have the jails, which are right up next to Jeffrey's tubes. Yeah, that's so, <laughs> That seems like a So you can't flaw. see them coming, and they could just, like, shoot your feet and incapacitate you. There's no door. There's no secondary thing. Just, no. like, the guard, The Starfleet guard gets taken out by Purple Hippie Guy, who jams his thumbs under yeah. the guy's ear and just, yeah. like, pressure points him out. Also because he was rocking out to the devil music. Mm-hmm. Yeah. Uh, my next favorite part of the episode here is where Scotty grumbles about youth. He and Kirk are, like, standing on the bridge listening to this children's music, and Scotty's just like, why can't they be more military and disciplined? This is bullshit. Also, he really wants him to stop touching his stuff. <laughs> so fair. He's the, just like, yeah. I think, like, he would be, like, exactly like the dad from the 1950s with, like, yeah. the square cut who had been yeah. in the military, and it's just yeah. like, why can't you just go in a straight line? Why you have to curve everywhere? <laughs> why you gotta zig? Why you gotta zag? Yeah. So, Back in auxiliary power, the guy's too busy grooving out he hears the doors open, doesn't bother to turn nope. around or anything, just waits to be taken out. Yeah. Why is the ship designed this way? Plot convenience? Yeah. Why would That's you have that. a completely separate part of your ship that is able to take over the ship 
that doesn't no, have a lock on the there's door. There's no lock. There's no passwords. You just need to be there. Plot convenience. Yeah. So they take over auxiliary control because apparently they're all highly skilled engineers. Well, they are. They're all super smart. They're also, here's the thing. Assholes are running the ship and that's not very hippie of them. No, it's not. Because their plan is, is that they're going to zip through the neutral zone into Romulan space, go to Eden, everyone on that ship. <laughs> yeah. So we and get then beam down to their planet. We get more JK monologue while they're doing this. Um, and it's basically confirmed. It's like, oh, this was literally all to cure his disease. He doesn't give a shit about any of this. It was just a really good way to get them on his side. So yeah. they would help him. It's great. Adam sings a little song about it, too. He's like, we're going to live like a king. I'm like, what does that mean to you? <laughs> he says it in the song. He's going to eat the fruit and throw away the rind. And shit well, in the woods. <laughs> that is not in the song. It's implied. Question. Is there any toilet paper in this eating? Because Do you know what isn't in the woods? Toilet paper. <laughs> now, else. imagine, you know, that thing that happens in, in dude movies where, like, they take a shit in the woods and then they accidentally wipe off with poison ivy. Yes. Imagine that with times 5,000 with acid plants. <laughs> That's what happened to Adam. Let's be realistic. They all got what was coming to them. <laughs> In every way. I love this so much because JK's like, okay, yeah, so I'm going to redo this, jigger this thing, which apparently is something I can totally do. No to uh, stun them so we can beam down and on Rita's challenge. Like, She's like, wait a minute, wait a minute. I, I know something. science. I've read something in a textbook that says that that's going to kill him. And he's like, yeah, no, don't worry about it, baby. It's no, not going to do it. And then, no, like, what he says is, I've gone beyond those textbooks, Irina. <laughs> he says her name about three times in two sentences. He yeah. is doing that thing that dudes do where they try and play down the fact that you are definitely an expert while they're mansplaining to you, where you say her name repeatedly to imply that you are an adult and she is not. Mm, the best yeah. part is he's like, no, baby, it's no problem. And then he whispers over to the other guy, eyebrows, Oh yeah, we're killing them. Yeah, <laughs> but yeah. So it's so what is it? It's like a sonic weapon. It's like a sonic yeah. weapon. Yeah. Sound. Yeah, sonic basically. screwdriver. Okay. Yeah. Yes. Everyone does yeah. some great ear acting. Yep. I don't quite understand why, even though it's a sonic thing, and they all kind of like grab their ears and fall to the ground. Why it also happens in slow mo? Like why they act as if they're acting through molasses? That's an excellent question. Like. If this was happening, you would drop to the floor like a sack of beans. Um, maybe not. You wouldn't be acting in slow-mo. Well, uh, I'm just thinking of the way that you people react when they're in pain. Is like You clench up all your muscles. So you might pitch over immediately, but it might take a couple of mini seizures before you actually hit the ground. It was great sound acting. Come on. It was so great. Especially Leonard Nimoy. Because he heard the sound before everyone else. Yes, because he has great ears. <laughs> when that first started happening, I thought they fucked up and were only knocking out Spock. <laughs> Oops! That was great. There is an actual genuine haunting moment in this where the hippies are playing another one of their songs. Because, yeah, there's like 15. Oh, this is the where everyone is... I wrote in my notes, more fucking singing. Yeah, I'm going to buy the soundtrack for this immediately. Yeah, I think this is actually quite disturbing where they're singing yes. and we get this montage of shots through the ship with everyone unconscious Everyone's or maybe dead. dead. We don't know. This is what made me think of Jonestown. Yeah. And this the Manson Murders. I was like, oh, like, did this happen before or after? It was definitely after. But yeah, just like the happy, perky, upbeat music and everybody's dead. As the hippies scamper past their fallen bodies. 
Yeah. So they've t- definitely taken the Galileo 2 shuttle down to this planet, which, when they all kind of shake it off after Kirk shuts off the button that the allows noise. sonic noise to kill sure. everyone, mm-hmm. which is a thing that every ship should have, um, they're like, well, hmm, this planet has no life or animals on it. That's kind of a red flag. Right? Yes. Yeah. And Chekhov's will like, do you want to, like, communicate with these assholes? And Kirk's like, fuck no. But call up, if the Romulans show up, let them know, not my fault. <laughs> yeah. Please, not, like, try and convince them not to start an interstellar war. We'll be right back. They beam down to the planet. McCoy, Spock, Chekhov, and Kirk. Yeah. Two, two yellows, two blues. And they're like, dang, this is a super nice planet. It's so pretty. I don't think they were ever down on this planet for these reaction shots. I, they're recycled reaction shots. Oh, yeah, for sure. Yeah. I feel bad for the show. A lot of this stuff, like um, Chapel falling over in sickbay, that's another recycled yeah. shot. Like, yeah. this is where, where it's her and, like, the female patient. Yeah. That's definitely been recycled. Yeah. Um, this is kind of where the budget cuts were coming in. Yeah. But yeah. I don't notice this episode is per class. It's fine. Um, so, yeah. Eden's very pretty, and here I'm like, again, for like the 15th time, but what the hell is Eden? Where does this legend come from? Mm-hmm. And we have learned nothing from any episode of Star Trek, <laughs> because what Chekhov does immediately is Should have like, brought Sulu. Hand up a plant. Yeah. Touches a flower and screams. Because it's made of acid. Because yeah. it is an acid And then we wave a tricorder around, and uh, Bones is like, oh yeah, there's acid in everything, even the air. Kurt's like, oh shit. <laughs> Are our clothes going to protect us? It's like, well, for a little while. So great. So if you can stand on this planet for long enough, it will just eat you away. That's great. This sounds super paradise-like. No shoes, no shirts, no service, no protection from the acid planet. Yeah. (laughs) Um, And, yeah. They come across, alas, poor Adam, who is super dead. He has eaten the fruit. This fruit is from Gary Marshall. This is the fruit that Gary Marshall made. Fact. It is. It's the same pair of space pair. Same space pair that he makes. Yeah. Adam is dead because he didn't know how to follow either basic first contact rules or, you know, the rules that any preschool aged child knows. Don't eat strange fruit. Yeah. He ate the fruit and the rind threw him away. <laughs> Actually, I started hearing that scary ass, like, commercial that don't you put it in your mouth <laughs> don't you put it in your mouth that was also good like again there's some great beats in this because spock is like and let me get the exact line <laughs> they look at him the fruit is deadly and spock is like his name was adam oh did you get that hello <laughs> did you get that he is in Eden, and Adam died. He eating ate the fruit. The fruit. Yep. His we got name it. was Adam. <laughs> Although not really relevant to the story so much as just funny. It is a great beat because it's everyone's great. like, "Shit!" <laughs> yeah. And then they find then the shuttle. Kirk and Spock walk off, and then Chekhov and McCoy kind of look at him like they think he's going to come to life, and they're like, "Oh wait, he's dead!" And then they like quickly run away. Yeah. Yeah. So they f- yes, we Six get back to hippies. the shuttle. And space hippies have learned a very important lesson. About shoes. <laughs> yeah, they're all like in pain from acid burns on their feet. Where is your rock and roll now, kids? Yeah. Are you going to play a song out of that? 
Or is all your gyrating and free love gonna help you out now? And Dr. Antivax is just not accepting the fact that his insane mission has ended Failed? in catastrophe. In an acid planet? And instead he runs screaming up a tree. <laughs> And oh shit! That's a metaphor. A, yeah. <laughs> he de-evolves because he went yeah. back to nature, so he becomes the ape again. Yes, that's what that's what the pre that's that's the deep oh. green when we were apes. That's that's what there is. There's apes, and then there's technology. That's actually how it worked. He Dang. eats a space pear and dies horribly. You will notice that not Kirk a just stands sing- there, nodding not his head. Not a single person, not a single solitary soul thinks to do anything about this. Well, they're yelling at him. He's just not listening. They could stun him with their phasers, but instead they're like, oh. Yeah, well, I'm not no. really uh, on their back about that. Because um, <laughs> he was that... anti-science. And you know what else is science? Natural selection. <laughs> Yeah, and then all the ladies jump into the arms of the nearest available man so that they can be carried. Well, so 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 does so does the surviving male eyebrows. cultist eyebrows, eyebrows. lived unfortunately because he like drapes himself son. all over the red shirt. <laughs> and they're all beamed up back on the ship. Kirk's uh, diary. So space hippies made for a really shit day. <laughs> Only four of them have left, and I consider this case closed and a satisfactory conclusion at that. The most assholeish of them are dead, <laughs> leaving those who could be swayed to do something else with their lives. Um, Kirk displays a stunning shade of sensitivity, hitherto unseen on this show, where he kind of sidles up to Chekhov and is like, so, like, you want to say goodbye to your girlfriend or something? And Chekhov's like, uh, I was so undisciplined. I'm so sorry. I'm tendering my resignation. Like, I fucked up, guys. Kirk's like, if you think you've done stupid things over a pretty girl... Look at the master, man. <laughs> she sashays onto the bridge yeah, of this spaceship. The bridge. No, I'm sorry. Everybody sashays onto the bridge of At this no ship. At no point is it okay, though. Yeah. It's, it's, yeah, it's always Don't bad. give her grief for doing what every other alien visitor to this ship does. I would just like to call not, attention not her to the fact grief. that it happens. Giving security grief every time. Uh, procedure. 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 Yeah. They actually have quite a nice send-off where mm. he's like, Try not to be so crazy. And she's like, well, try not to be such an uptight asshole. And that's a nice greeting for them. That's a it nice is. farewell. It is. Yeah. And they never spoke again. And this is Spock, where he's like, don't give it up. Find it or make Sorry, it Sorry, Eden one sucked. She butt wiggles out. And then Kirk says something that I didn't catch because I was on the sky train. <laughs> yeah. And it got loud. It wasn't yeah, important. It wasn't important. Good, but good, yeah. good, No, I mean, the ending would basically where Spock is like... Keep searching for Eden or make it yourself yes. was great. Yes. Because yes. the make it yourself is, hey, you live in this world. How about fix this one? Or, like, if you need to go out and find a better world, like, just don't go nilly nilly, like, searching for it. Like, don't just fucking wander off into the woods and assume someone will come and save you when you get horrible preventable or, like, diseases. Work to fix something or find a place and then make it. Don't <clears> expect <throat> it to fall through your lap. Mm-hmm. Not through your lap. Well, maybe through your lap. Like, if you had your legs open, it would just kind of fall straight through if you weren't wearing some kind of skirt apparatus. So I have my life lesson. Oh, boy. <laughs> uh, why don't we start with performance of the episode? Okay, what was the name of the young lady who played Arena? Uh, I just called her Big Lips. Um, <laughs> mean! Well, she had very big lips. It's not a poor statement. No. I will also throw my hat to actress who played Arena. Oh, really? Yeah, I did. Well, I mean, I thought she had 
it was mostly because her writing was more sensitive than anybody else's and um but she did a very good job of being like i have this set of beliefs and this is important for me and yeah. my my life and my sense of who i am and how i want to live I, as a character, I think she was very strong. Yeah. Mary Linda Rapali. Rapali? Close enough. Yeah, she sure. was. I I liked Arena, and I thought she had the most sympathetic... She was written the most sympathetically of all of the hippies. Yes. Um, Mostly because she was, like, the only woman with the speaking role. That's fair. Uh, it wasn't singing role? Yeah. Um. Yeah. So, that actress, yes, she was my performance of the episode. And she was yours, Ari? Yeah. Who'd you pick, Cream? Uh, JK. <laughs> I'm giving the performance of the episode to J.K. Simons. It was not Except J.K. Not Simmons. J.K. Simmons. I don't know what Who was that actor? Uh, Some guy. Not a cauliflower. He was actually in a previous episode. He was in the Nazi episode. Oh, really? Yeah, playing a minor Nazi. <laughs> Um, I thought he, I thought he was great. Um, I hated him so much in his stupid smug face. Um, again, I, I thought. I, I definitely agree that Arena had a lot more to do and mm. that, you know, at the end you felt like that she made the right decision for her and that Chekhov was fucking wrong. Yeah. Wrong. Oh, wow. The actor's name is Skip Homer. Perfect. Skip. Perfect. Great. Um, Kim, your count? Two deaths. But they're hippies, so it doesn't count. <laughs> uh, Ari, your count? Uh, pretty high on both counts this time, because we had a hippie concert that drew yeah. like, the entire crew. 16 ladies and 12 people of color. Dang. I, I did notice, like, they spent a lot on, like, group shots. Yeah. A lot of extras yeah. who were kind of, like, that. bopping along. Mm-hmm. Bopping along, singing mm-hmm. their song. Um, Kim, life lesson to be gained from this. Okay, first off, I was really sick when I was watching this Aww. episode, so I did not actually write one down. Normally I can come up one with one during our discussion, but I feel that their philosophies were so, um, didn't really say anything. Ill thought really. out. Really? They were very ill thought out so that I did not come up with a life lesson. So I learned nothing from oh this episode. God. Hey, you know what? That's okay, because neither did they. <laughs> well, everyone learned in an important episode, like, an important lesson about not being hippies. That's true. Is that your life lesson? Don't be a hippie? Well, that's, that is my life motto. <laughs> I think my life lesson would be bongos lead to rock music, rock music leads to tattoos, tattoos <laughs> lead to hippies, and hippies equal acid death. <laughs> did you have a life lesson, Ari? I did. Uh, Leadism is not a viable social philosophy. <laughs> Escaping or ignoring the modern world is not a solution to life's problems. You can't move forwards by going backwards. There's nothing romantic about the past. Fuck you, Herbert! People were markedly meaner to each other with fewer repercussions. The food was terrible. We died young from curable diseases. We we had no toilet paper! We didn't have indoor plumbing or the internet. It sucked. Fuck the past. (laughs) To that I say, fuck you, Herbert. Hey listeners, which is a title I bestow on you because you are, after all, still listening to me speak. If you like us, like Star Trek, like the show, or any combination of the three, do us a favor and subscribe to and rate us on iTunes so that other people can like us too. You can also tweet about us or tumble about us or whatever verb word that describes the social media platform of your choice. If it helps, we both like and appreciate you.